Hello and welcome. I'm Michelle. And I'm Jessica. And this is Pretty Over Perfect. We are two former neighbors and current best friends who know that perfection is an illusion that could easily keep us from living our best lives. We are here to discover the goodness in the messiness of real life and find joy in the everyday by embracing simplicity, creativity, and a little sparkle. Hello, Jessica. Hi, Michelle. And hello. Welcome to all of our listeners to another episode of Pretty Over Perfect. Michelle, I'm pretty giddy about our guest today. She's one of the most remarkable human beings that I've ever had the pleasure of doing life with back when I lived by you. Do you want to introduce our guest today? That's right. I'm so excited to introduce you all to our friend Jill, our mutual friend Jill. She's just so wonderful. Jill is a mother of four. She has two boys and two girls ages 9 to 19. And Jessica and I are both privileged to know her. And I know I speak for both of us when we say that we really admire and respect her as a human being and as a mother. She's definitely on my vision board of great mothers. And last year when I had my first daughter heading off to middle school, and I was feeling a little bit nervous about that whole situation, she was the person I wanted to call and say, Jill, tell me everything's going to be okay. (laughs) And she did. (laughs) So when I need reassurance that everything's going to work out okay, I definitely am looking to Jill and her family. And I am sure that she can tell us that there have been ups and downs, good days and bad days, but Jill and her family give me so much hope for the future, for teenagers specifically, and for families in general. And so I'm very pleased she agreed to come talk to us and to let us pick her brain about parenting older kids. Jill, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. That was a fantastic introduction and much, (laughs) much more than I than I think I am, but I appreciate that. Jill, this is why we love you. You're so remarkable. You're yes. so dialed and steady. I would say you're so empathetic and you have such good perspective. And you're so and you don't even know it. Like you're so down to earth, so relatable. Wow. And that's why I feel like you're the perfect guest because I think you can provide a lot of wisdom by way of humility and sharing your just honest experience. So I'm so grateful that you're here. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's an honor to um, be friends with both of you, and I admire both of you as well. So this is a fantastic topic that I'm excited to discuss. Thank you. Raising kids is funny because there are parenting experts, I suppose, like the people who write books and stuff like that. But any of us who are just putting in the hours and getting experience, like we're becoming... I don't know if I could say I'm an expert, but you know, I'm like, you just put in the hours, you get some, you get some experiences under your belt, you have some wisdom to offer. And so that's one of the reasons that I so appreciate your perspective, Jill. I know you read a lot about parenting and just are very intentional about it. And then you've also, you know, put in the hours, you've got at least 19 years under your belt, right? 19. 19 I can't believe your oldest is 19. 19 years. Yes. I should have a <sighs> master's degree over and over again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tell us about your kids, Jill. So I have uh, my 19-year-old Elle just finished her freshman year at college and is home working for the summer. So she's experienced some independence away for a year and then came back to rules <laughs> and regulations. So that has been a really fun adventure. <laughs> and then I have... Um, a 16-year-old that will start her junior year and a 14-year-old son who will start his freshman year 
they will be in the same high school. And then I have a nine-year-old son who will be starting a fourth grade with Michelle's son. That's right. We run the gamut. That's the time, right. the time I allotted for parenthood was vast. Right. <laughs> yes, yes. We love Jill's youngest son. He's just the one that I know the best. He's best friends with Henry, who you may have all heard speak on our last podcast, but they are just wonderful friends and they have the sweetest conversations. I got to drive them sometimes to their basketball that they did over, I don't know, whatever time that was that we were doing basketball. And I would just like drive along and listen to their adorable conversations because they just had the cutest conversations ever. Like one time they were debating who was like the cutest child that they knew. Oh, yes. Did I tell you this? That was so funny. Like, and Bo, Bo was like, oh, I have this cousin and he is just so cute and so fun. Yes. And then Henry was like, <laughs> okay, but is he as cute as Archer? And Bo was like, hmm, I would definitely say they're like equal in cuteness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like you were like really debating this. And it was just, it was very sweet. because They just he had so much love Archer. with them. Yes. And Archer loves him too. <laughs> Archer is thrilled when Bo is when Bo goes to your home. It's like a play date with four children. So, (laughs) (laughs) which is is kind of nice for Bo. Yes, it is. He's highly entertained, and he comes back with lots of fun ideas. And I'm always amazed at the stuff that Michelle creates, which reminds (laughs) me so much of you, Jessica, because you are always creating cakes and doing these fun things with your kids and. I remember just coming and visiting and thinking, did I do that? I don't think I did. <laughs> I don't think oh, I Jill. did. Have I missed oh. the opportunity? But I just, <sighs> it's just so fun to see other people's talents and what they're good at and how they teach their children. Because when Henry comes to my home, you know, he'll say different things or just, mm-hmm. they just lean on one another and they learn from each mm-hmm. other. And it's such a, blueprint of really how their home is run, Mm -hmm. which I love because it talks to your styles, talks to your parenting. I hear so much of Henry, you know, so much of you and Henry when he (laughs) talks about things or logically thinks things through and says things. And it just, it really is fun to see that in other kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I love that. It's fun to witness. Yeah, it's it's kind of nerve wracking as a parent when your children go out into the world because you yes, it is. realize what a representative. I mean, not that they are solely representing you. They are their individual human beings, of course. But uh, you're just like, oh, OK, what are they going to go out there and, <laughs> and do? <laughs> That's right. Which actually is a great segue to our first official yeah. question, Jill. Your children are so polite. That is one of the things that just blew me away the first couple of times, especially that we had Bo over. He's so polite, always tidies up after himself and makes sure he puts his garbage away and is just very kind. And even your daughters have dropped Bo off at our house or have come to pick Henry up and they just seem always very polite. They can talk to adults. They just seem very responsible and polite. So... Do you have any tips for teaching kids to be polite, both in interactions with adults and peers and as house guests? That is a great question. 
So I think there are many attributes and characteristics when you try that you try to instill in your kids. Mm -hmm. And two that have always stood the test of time with me are one cleanliness, like Mm -hmm. learning how to take care of your physical person. And the second is being gracious. So learning to develop emotional intelligence, to be courteous and kind and pleasant and forgiving of others. It's constantly on repeat at our home. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the, there have been things that have come and gone, different chore charts, different, you know, incentive plans for, for different things, mm-hmm. you know, to get out of them behavior that I would like to see. But all of those really have gone to the wayside. And the two that have remained are continual repetition to keeping themselves clean and their areas clean mm-hmm. and then to be gracious. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think the best way you can do it is just through example. So oftentimes I will do things in front of them intentionally so that they mm-hmm. can see and recognize that I am recognizing someone else's actions towards me. So If someone does something nice, I will always write a personal thank you note. Mm. And I have made them do that from the very start of their lives when they could finally pen something. And I've heard from them over and over again, why are we doing this? Do I have to, how many more to go? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, every person that brought you a gift didn't have to do that, but they did it for you to be kind. And so Mm -hmm. you need to express your gratitude for them doing that. That's the Mm -hmm. least we can do. So I think oftentimes showing them, serving those around you, helping them recognize opportunities and being willing to help them execute those ideas. When someone has a bad day, a friend or something, just nudging them to write them a note and then going and bringing them a treat. We've had that done for us in the past. And so I'll remind them how they felt when others have thought of them. And boy, that would really make someone else's day to do that. It's just a constant, constant loop and a constant observation. And then when I do hear positive comments from adults about my children, I will always express that to them. I'll always tell them that, you know, so-and-so mentioned that you helped put away chairs when everyone else had left and they really appreciated that. Or, Mm. you know, they had mentioned that you played with their kids when other people had treated them poorly or something Mm. just to help them reinforce that their, that their thoughtfulness and that their graciousness is actually acknowledged Yeah, and that it, it will serve them well throughout their life. So that doesn't mean that mm. they do that all the time or, yeah, or right. necessarily all the time in our home or to one another as siblings. But I do think they put their best foot forward in the world. Hopefully yeah. that is my mm-hmm. hope as a parent. Yeah. I love so, that. Yeah. I love that. Jill, I'm wondering if you can kind of give us a few more details maybe about how you help them keep their areas clean. What are some things that you have maybe repeated or things that have worked for you to really emphasize that? That's a great question, Jessica, because we have, we had that discussion today again. 
Okay. So, um, so it's ongoing. There you have it. Okay, that's it's, an it's, ongoing. On, it's an ongoing discussion. It, and it's different for every child because mm-hmm. every child is motivated differently. And their personalities are so vast and different. So for my oldest, I remind her to keep her room clean and motivate her to do so because I remind her that she'll be sharing a space with someone soon and Mm. that they won't appreciate the lack of cleanliness. Mm -hmm. So for her, it's almost a fear of embarrassment at this point, (laughs) if I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. With my other daughter, it's a motivation. I She's motivated by fun. So mm-hmm. when your room is clean, then you can have fun. So yeah. an incentive for her, as soon as this is picked up, you know, put on music while you're cleaning the bathroom. That is great. Just anything to motivate them to do it. Mm-hmm. And at the end, just acknowledging all of their efforts and everybody feels more productive in a clean space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are in a clean space. And so reminding them daily that they're in charge of their things. And when their things take up other people's space, they no longer are in charge of them. Mm-hmm. I, I become in charge of them. And they don't. <laughs> yes. That is, that is not, that's not necessarily you know, a happy thought for them. So yeah. they'll yeah. maybe never see it again. Because no, about this thing the way that you care about this thing. So yes, I might think and it belongs in the garbage. Yes. <laughs> or they might, you know, they might have issues with, you know, borrowing things from one another and just teaching them that when you borrow something, you return it better than when you found it. Hmm. Borrowing stuff from your siblings and that's a, that's a huge clothing borrowing right now is a huge issue in our home. And so mm-hmm. just reminding mm-hmm. them that if you ask politely, the response will be yes. When you take without asking, the response won't be as pleasant. And so, yeah. um, just recently, actually, Elle received a TikTok or a message from somebody that somebody else had recorded because my girls don't have TikTok, but they were recorded on someone else's. And so Avery had gone out of town for a camp and she was in this TikTok video and Elle saw the TikTok video and recognized her shirt in it. <laughs> see where this is going. Her, her shirt that she purchased. And so she came to me and was a little upset that Avery had taken her shirt without asking and and I listened patiently and Elle described, you know, painstaking hours at Party City that she had to work in order to purchase the shirt. And, and I, and I shook my head. I understood this. Yes. And then she mm-hmm. said, all she had to do was ask. And I said, Elle, I need you to stop and take a minute and look down at the shirt that you're wearing. You're wearing her shirt. Oh, no that way. That she purchased with her money, her babysitting oh. money that she bought at a concert. So, Mm. and well, it's different. No, actually it's not different. Mm. So it's, it is, it's just a constant, you think that they should get it in -hmm. so many realms because you look at them in awe for so many things and think they are amazing at this. They are amazing Mm -hmm. at this. Mm -hmm. Well, how can't, why can they not understand or see this? And it's just simply 
certain things are clicking and certain things are misfire in the brain where it just does not all connect right now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. constantly mm-hmm. reminding them of just being, of just their emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And at some point hoping that that all comes together. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I love that how you used the word gracious. I think that's such a wonderful word. And just to have that as like your goal and then realizing you're instilling those values in them in multiple ways over and over again and building those skills as they're getting older with that goal of them being gracious, them noticing other people and taking care of themselves and other people kind of wrapped up into that. I love that. I think when our goals, it can be hard when you're looking down the, I don't know, barrel, (laughs) the, the tunnel of parenting. It just seems like there's a lot of goals, but I love that you have come up with, I'm sure several, but like in this area, I want them to be gracious and we're going to work on it in these little ways. It just uh, it simplifies, helps, I think. It. Yeah. Simplify it and clarify when your mission is clarified, then yeah. you realize what you're working towards. And I think that as somebody who, you know, admires you as a mom and your children, I love hearing that graciousness has been a goal of yours because then I think, okay, that can be a goal for us in our family and, that we can start working on it in all of these little ways. And, and even just to be able to look around and see other families that we admire and say, what do we admire about this family? What's this character trait that they have? Okay. How do you think they're working on this? Or as we're doing right now, you ask know them. <laughs> I appreciate, I really appreciate it. And I think part of that is understanding how I feel when you share those thoughts with me and mm-hmm. doing the same to others. Pointing yeah. out mm-hmm. what other children do well to their parents, yeah, because mm-hmm. it it heightens their the mm-hmm. child's awareness of what they do and that it's noticed. Yeah, yes. It's a huge. Cole came home the, the other day from a football practice, and I said, "How did the practice go? Really, really good." I said, "Oh, great!" And he said that one of the coach's wives had acknowledged him for always being polite. And I said, Mm. that's, that's a great compliment, Cole. He said, yes. Mm -hmm. He said, yes. He says, I think, you know what, mom, I think it's paying off. (laughs) And I said, that's awesome. You're right. He said, I remember you always making me shake the hands of my coaches after every practice and game Mm -hmm. when there'd be several coaches. And I would always be like, Oh, and now (laughs) it's paid off. Yeah. And I said, that's remarkable. I said, you just need to be able to express to people that do things for you that you are very grateful because no one has to do anything. The fact that they are volunteering their time as a teacher, as an instructor, as a coach, they don't have to do. And so to offer gratitude in a form of thank you is the least that we can do. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that compliment, Michelle. (laughs) Yeah, we're all in this together, right? I think that's a good reminder for me to do that, to compliment and try to do what I can to build the children around me. And also, like you were saying, Michelle, I also took that away from what you just said, Jill, is there's so many different things that we try to focus on as parents. So many things we want to do 
well uh, with our kids. And I, I think that it's, it's a very good idea to sit down and decide what those values are that we really want to emphasize and to make those our missions. And I, I want to do that. I kind of want to sit down and contemplate and kind of where am I headed? Like, what am I instilling the things I want? Because I can't do it all, but I'm definitely going to want to make sure that I hit these few values. And so I love that reminder. So beautiful. When you're talking about your daughters, my heart like aches for them because I actually worked really closely with them through our church when I lived by you. And I, I love your girls so much and they are so different in every way. They're both so remarkable, so beautiful and so different. And, um, I don't, I know Bo, but that was like a long time ago, three years ago when I, when I knew Bo, but I imagine that your boys are also so different from your girls. All of your children, you know, are, are diverse in personalities and interests. And so I'm wondering, Jill, how you encourage their individuality and diversity all at the same time, (laughs) all four of them. Any thoughts on that? So I would, I have kind of a word for each of them that describes them. Just so you know, you know, my oldest is more cautious. My second daughter is more carefree. Mm-hmm. My son is very contemplative. So mm-hmm. he's more still in his actions and watches and observes. And then I've got a little competitive nine-year-old. <laughs> so okay pause did you make them all start with c on purpose no that's the crazy part. okay well that's really cool i was like i love this i love this. no I love but i guess it's all yes it's it's all alliteration oh, no cool so cautious carefree contemplative and competitive mm-hmm. so they knowing each of them and how they're emotionally wired helps me know how to approach situations with them so everything from chores to discipline to motivation is very different. And mm-hmm. I think years ago, Michelle and I had to have this conversation about parent, how we were parented and the lack of, I think, parenting resources as far as books and workshops and mm-hmm. trying to, to find out how to improve parenting. There just was, it wasn't there or it wasn't available, I guess. Yeah. And so with that out there, I have kind of, I've been hungry for that since they were born, just trying Mm -hmm. to pull in resources to help me better understand how to parent them. And Mm -hmm. they are, Jessica, you are so right. So vastly different. And, but each of them knowing that it's not my job to change them or to mold them into what I would like them to be or force them into not really being true to who they are but to help them kind of develop those personality traits, knowing that they're born with them for a reason and that they will need them in their lifetime. So yeah. for example, if I were to ask them to clean their room, I would tell um, my daughter who's cautious, I would have to give her a list of what needed to be done so it could be crossed off. Mm-hmm. My carefree daughter, I would put on music and let her dance. <laughs> And let my timetable be flexible. Yeah. I can't be rigid on a timetable. Yeah. With my son, he'd complete the chore when I asked the first time. The contemplative <laughs> son. Yes. Maybe not to its entirety, but the best of his ability. Mm-hmm. And then my little competitive son, 
I would give him the task of cleaning the room, and, but it would be a race. It would be a yeah. time chore to see how much he can get done within a certain time limit. Yeah. And what I've noticed as I've honored each of them in their own personalities is that they have come into themselves. They know these things about themselves. They um, embrace them and they have learned to kind of work with them in the positive and the negative sense. So they've been able to, to know that there are certain things that need to be done in order for something to be accomplished. You know, Avery knows that she needs to take time to finish it, that it's important to me, but she needs to have fun while she's doing it. Mm -hmm. And I have to keep things light with Avery. And then I have to allow my son Cole to ask questions and and know the details. And he wants to discuss and he, (laughs) I have to make, you know, space for each of them and allow myself to be really flexible because they all need so many different things. So it's really kind of, it's been a learning process as, as I've gone, I realize, you know, when I don't get a reaction that I like, it's probably because I haven't parented in the correct way. Mm. Yeah. So interesting. It, it's just a learning. It's been a learning curve for sure. Yeah. That's huge, Jill. <laughs> like I'm clearly not understanding Violet right now, but I will say that, you know, years ago I was flying home and in a miserable job experience and I was flying home, you know, for the weekend and I had this epiphany and the epiphany came in the form of a Southwest airline napkin. And it, <laughs> simply said, and I kept it for years. It said, the freedom to be yourself is the freedom to be your best. Oh, and I thought that's when I decided to quit my job and to do something else that would have been a lot more fulfilling. And it was, (laughs) and it was, but it was just that simple phrase that resonated with me. Mm. And I've kind of taken that into my kids too. the freedom for them to be themselves is a freedom to be their best. So Mm, I love that, you know, Elle's days are more structured. Avery's days have to be more fluid. Cole's days have to be, there's time to think. And Bo's days have to be full of games and competition. So, Jill, I'm just laughing because I'm thinking of each of my kids. And I have a daughter, Ellie, like your Elle. She would like a planner specifically for going on vacations because she would like to plan what we do on the vacations. And I'm like do we need a planner for right now? And she's like, yes, I, she actually had like a pile of like five planners. I think they were all for planning the same day. I was like, surely, surely we don't need five. And she was like, (laughs) you just, you just have to be prepared. And I was like, you're 12. What are you possibly planning? But anyways, it's just, I just crack. You let her have the planners, Michelle. (laughs) Gotta have her planners. And she, and it, I think it's, it's an interesting journey, especially as they get older and their personalities are, I mean, I know that in some kids they're when they're little, their personalities are really strong. And I feel like for some of mine, the older that they've gotten, the more they've come kind of into themselves. And it's just a grappling experience to, to let them be who they are and try to help them be the best of those things instead of making them conform to how 
I am or I think is best, which is just what I am naturally, right? Yeah. I'm sort of stumbling over that. But just I appreciate so much that you do that with your kids. Let them be whoever they're going to be and and learn to work with their different personalities. And I love that that phrase, the freedom to be yourself is the freedom to be your best. Like that's, yeah, that's a good light in the tunnel for, um, for the teenage years, especially I feel like. And I assume it takes some contemplation, some thought, right? Like we have to step outside of that current that we're all in as parents and give it some curiosity and contemplation. Before we dive in, Jill, to the, I know we brought you on specifically to talk through kind of that next step. Well, I mean, generally, we want your advice on parenting. We want to dive into some of the later years. But before we go there, I selfishly need to just ask you quickly, what's your advice to mothers or parents of young kids with a little bit of space between where you are now and where you were maybe, you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago? What's your advice? Well, it parenting young kids is physically exhausting. And so I often refer to it as running as fast as I could in a pool of quicksand, <laughs> yeah. running exhausted and, and then looking down and you've made no headway. Yes. So, I mean, you have to keep humans alive, fed, bathed and entertain them. And that is a huge responsibility and it's jo- on the job training. Yeah. And so our, you know, days blend together and then you throw in the lack of sleep and the lack of self-care and the lack of intellectual stimulation. And there are, th- there are really three things that I would offer as advice. And the first is to, to not stop developing yourself mm. to, yeah. and by that, I mean, d- just don't stop having interests or hobbies or passions. Mm. And then how those look now are different for a while, but not completely impossible. I remember when Jessica was here, she had just had her first daughter and I would see her out running, you know, early morning or late at night. And you just take opportunities to develop yourself, whether that be physically, emotionally, mentally, intellectually, by reading or whatever, but you just have to develop yourself. And sometimes that gets put on the back burner. My second mm-hmm. would be is to extend grace to yourself. Yeah. And we extend grace to our children for their mistakes and their mishaps all day long. Yeah. We just need to dole out some of that grace to ourselves. And at the same time, our children are learning how to navigate life. We are learning how to navigate parenthood. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we need to trust in our abilities and just parent authentically and realize that some days good is just good enough. It just yeah. is going to have to be. Mm-hmm. And it's a success. And then my third would be to seek out resources. Like Michelle and I were speaking about just parenting books and workshops. And and I have probably a hundred books on my bookshelf that are parenting books about the brain, about one child, you know, one child's personality type about another child's personality type about anxiety, about worry. There is a fantastic book series on what to do when, and it is, I I don't know how many books are in it. It's probably, there's probably 10 books. One is, you know, what to do when mistakes make you quake. 
what to do when you worry too much. And they have been really powerful tools for me when my children were younger and fantastic illustrations. And we would read them together and we would reference them. And I just pulled them out for Bo the other day when we were going through some worries. Is that the tomato plant one, Jill? Yes, it is. Oh, I think you might've told me about that because I have that one. That's a great one. Okay. That is a fantastic one. It's died by Don Hubner. And then there are, she writes most of them. And then there's an author on something else. But if you look up the what to do when you series, it will go through anger and sadness mm-hmm. and worry. And we, we had a, a worrier in our home when we still do. And I think we've got another one on our way. So for me, it's getting on top of letting them feel that they are on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I love that. And so I would encourage moms just to seek those things out and not feel bad if you get to chapter one or you skip to chapter 10 on these. My books are all highlighted. I sticky note them. They've got little flags all over them. They're in my bookshelf. And so I can pull them out and reference them. Have I read them all full completely? I have not. Mm -hmm. But for some reason... I was drawn to it or someone had suggested it and I bought it. And then I read what I needed to read at the time. And then I pulled from that. And even if it's one or two things from each book that resonate with you, take that into your parenting and, and, and test it, just try it out, see how it works. So those would be my bits of advice. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing. I've recently started, yeah, highlighting in my books and, dog marking, what is that called? Ear marking (laughs) all the pages to come back and reference them because it is so nice to be able to pull out a book that you remembered loving and then look through and the things that really stood out to you, getting a little reminder of that, that can be so encouraging on, on days. Or sometimes I feel like I'll read a, a little piece of advice in a book, but we haven't hit that stage yet, or we haven't experienced that thing yet. And so I love having them close by for when when that event does come up in our lives, we're like, Oh, we have some, we have some resources for this. So. Absolutely. And Michelle, I was going to say there is a book that I actually read start to finish just recently. Yes. That is a fantastic book. And you might've heard of it too, Jessica. It's called, I like me anyway. Yes. I have heard of that. Yeah. Yes. By Brooke Romney. And Mm -hmm. it, I just wanted, I wanted to read it. It's a very easy read. Yeah, but it talks a lot about these things that we've discussed today mm-hmm. and feelings of inadequacy inac- as a parent and not knowing what to do or feelings of comparison as a mother and when our children don't act a certain way and others children's you know other people's children do and just being okay with who we are and standing in the space that we're in as a parent and being okay with it. Yeah. I love so that. I would definitely I will- recommend that read. Okay, I will get it. It's been on my list for a while, and I'll move it up to the top. This is your sign. (laughs) She also writes 52 Modern Manners for Teens, and I have not bought that. It's like a flip chart type thing, Mm -hmm. I think, but um, I haven't bought it, but I do follow her on Instagram, and my kids and I go over her 52 Modern Manners, and I just, she's a great writer, and I love the way that she talks about, yeah, even just 
manners like how to be gracious in someone's home and we we will talk about those that gives us a great little way to talk as a family about things that we you might not think to address until you know they've Mm -hmm. already gone over to a friend's house or how to answer a phone or something like that so i really do love her writing and i will definitely check out her book so thank you okay so you've had three kids now go through middle school two through high school or yeah part way through high school (laughs) One all the way through high school. Um, can you tell us some of your favorite things about this age, the teenage years? It's typically an age that is dreaded by parents. But whenever I see your kids, it makes me hopeful for this time of life. So I was just hoping you could tell us just some of the things that you love experiencing with your teens or observing in them, anything like that. In this time of life is when they really begin to more fully recognize their abilities. And mm-hmm. that is exciting for me. And yeah. to see like, to see them gain confidence in who they are, they begin to kind of gain an insight into their, into possibilities and, yeah. and that work takes on a different meaning for them. They see putting in hard work gets you certain results. So that is exciting for me. It's like watching a sculpture kind of being created. You think you know what it might become, but in the end you realize that you were only there to help mix the elements. And then mm. they create themselves and they continue to astound me at their resilience or, you know, just trying to maintain goals they've set, standards they've made, and just trying to be an overround good person. I'm just, I'm really in awe. And that has not as much to do with me as as much to do with just their ability to be really strong in their beliefs. And I am grateful every day. I've said this from the time that they were little. I feel like it's Christmas every day I wake up because Mm -hmm. I get to be their parent and they're funny and they're witty and their humor is evolved and their ability to, you know, to make, light of their own frailties and to not Mm -hmm. take themselves so seriously. It's just a fun time of life. Yeah. Whereas when they were smaller, that wasn't, that was enormously fun and the creativity level. And so it just, it's just kind of shift and involved and it's, it has been a really positive experience despite, you know, the t-shirt sharing, but yeah. <laughs> I They're can't avoid that. Difficult. It's funny because yeah. I'm like, I remember fighting with my sister about t-shirts too. <laughs> it's insane. It's a time, it's a time old fight. That's all it's, was. It really is. <laughs> it really is. Oh gosh. It was even worse because for my sister, my poor sister, because she like had great taste in clothes and she put all of her money into clothes and I was saving my money for other things apparently. So I didn't have anything really worth sharing, but I would borrow all of hers and Anyways, now looking back, I'm like, oh, I didn't even really contribute to that situation, but that's okay. My daughter and I, we have a pair of matching shoes right now. And she was like, can we have more things that match? And I was like, well, this is fun. I don't know how long this will last, but yeah. You yeah, ho- you you harness that, Michelle. You take it for right. all it's worth. I'm like, we will <laughs> seize this because soon you will be like, I only want that's it right. if it's vintage. <laughs> oh, my God. Right. This is kind of an aside, but... Your daughter, Avery, she's always so cute. I remember, like, even before I knew you, when we were at Jessica's baby shower, she was, like, dressed so cute. Anyways, she 
clearly loves that kind of stuff. And one of Henry's proudest moments of his life, I don't know if I've told you this or not, but he was over at your house and Avery asked him about his jeans that were all ripped up. And she was like, whoa, your jeans are really cool. Did you buy them that way? And Henry's response was, no, I just fall down a lot. (laughs) (laughs) These are organic holes. You know what? These are organic, organically made. That's what I need to tell Avery to do is to go out and just fall down and just maybe do some yard work. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine her? That's you hilarious. two can have these jeans, Avery, for the price is right. Just a little bit of hard manual labor. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was just so falling. funny because Henry was just like, she thought my jeans were cool. <laughs> like, oh, bless his heart. But then it was just because he falls down a lot. So anyway. adorable. I love his honesty. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Yes, he does have a lot of authentically ripped jeans, so. That's right. Oh. Gosh. So do my so do my I was going to say boys, but no, just my older boy. He he can only have a pair last for like a month. Mm. Something about boys. Yes. Jill, let's let's shift a little bit to talking about friendships. As our kids get older, <laughs> can you give us some advice for helping them navigate friendships? I mean, I'm sure you've worked with your kids through, I mean, I hope not, but I'm assuming you have through difficult friendship situations. Have you ever advised your child to let go of a, of a relationship that was causing a lot of stress? Anything like that? Well, you know, friend situations are a continual topic of conversation at our home, mm-hmm. whether it be like hurt feelings or maybe they felt like they've hurt someone's feelings or miscommunication, inclusion or exclusion. This is a topic of conversation on a regular basis. So then you add in now to my kid's um, situation and your kid's future is mm-hmm. the social media on top of all of that. And yeah. yeah. And then everything, it's like a lighting you know, match on a pile of, you know, doused gasoline logs. Yeah. And it's just, you know, you, you have to, you know, whereas we, when we were growing up, you used to hear about a party when we were, you know, that we weren't invited to maybe three days later. Yeah. yeah. And the sting isn't quite as there. Now they get to play that out on multiple so- social media sources mm-hmm. all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, they see what they're missing out on. So I personally, as a parent, I've limited the apps and the platforms that they can use. Mm-hmm. And I, I rarely use them myself. Mm-hmm. And when I say rarely, I mean like twice a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My Facebook just got hacked. And so now oh, I'm darn. a young boy who is single and <gasps> apparently ready to mingle because he's taken over my Facebook <laughs> oh, no. and has That's sent out no various good. texts to friends and family. So that shows you how often I use it. I just don't use it. So right. by doing that, I know that that's not completely realistic for people to completely shut that down, mm-hmm. but I have felt that I can eliminate some uncomfortable mm-hmm. experiences for them. Um, and I can kind of teach them how to navigate it by showing that it's not a huge mm-hmm. driving force in my life that I don't yeah. spend my time and my days watching other people live theirs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like And that. so, so when they have friends in our home, our phone use is very limited. So mm-hmm. it's a rule in our home that they aren't allowed to post pictures of get togethers. 
okay. the people in the room take priority over kind of whatever is happening on the phones. And yeah. I have to constantly remind them of those things um, to kind of pay attention and be engaged in what's in front of them instead of texting others or being on different chats with other people while other people are sitting next to them. I was just discussing this rule with my daughters. They're both at the age where kids are starting to get phones and there's kind of some issues around that. So when you say that you, you know, ask your daughters to prioritize the people in the room, that makes a lot of sense. You're saying that, like, do you have any rules or maybe did you when I know that they're a little bit older now, but did you have any rules around like the friends phones, like they needed to be only in public areas or anything like that. I don't know, just, or is it really just like you're encouraging your daughters to set good examples and behave in a certain way in hopes that their friends will follow along? Or do you have specific rules for even guests in your house because it's your house? So I would, when they were younger, Mm -hmm. I would definitely limit phone use even with friends. Mm -hmm. I feel like as they've gotten older, as a form of not trying to embarrass my children, I will, um, they know that rule. So it's been taught to them when they were younger and it was much easier to teach them that in the beginning than I think to correct it now as a, as an older child. But for a long time, there were no phone usage in your room. Yeah. Um, phones are turned in at a certain time at night. We used to have a rule that we let slip a little bit with COVID because of being, you know, just kind of isolated in the home of no phones on Sunday. So it, it didn't, it will have forced social interaction amongst siblings as opposed to social interaction with their peers. I don't think that, you know, I've witnessed as a parent when they get together because I open my home up to their friends whenever they like that I'm willing to do that, but I do expect them to respect the home. So when friends are here, I ask them not, they can take pictures. I just don't want them posting it on social media so that other people are in a position to not feel included. That's a huge, that's a huge thing for me. I don't like that. And so oftentimes if they've had like a little party or slumber party, I will let Avery know, Avery, can you tell your friends this? Yeah. And if you don't want to, I'm happy to do that. Um, and so, you know, I mean, in a nice way, because I want her to feel like she can say it, she can blame me. She can say what she needs to say. But for me, it's just, they'll always be somebody that can't make it. There'll always be somebody that wishes that they were there. There'll always be, and you never want to be the cause of making someone else feel poorly about themselves or their circumstance. So that's a huge push for me is for them to honor that. It's gotten more challenging as they've gotten older Mm -hmm. and parts of me wish I could have reined that a little more. And I still can, like I, I still can do that as Cole's in becoming more social and having friends over and I can still reinstitute that with him and with Bo as well. Yeah. So all is not lost ladies. Okay. I love that. I recently just had a similar conversation. I'm like, okay, we're saying kind of the same things. Like I can say this, if you want me to be the, you know, the air quotes, bad guy in this situation, I'm happy to be the person who says it, or you can encourage your friend with 
are with my kids, preteens, a lot of them have phones, but are not allowed on social media yet. But one of the things that my kids have started struggling with is just competing for their friend's attention. If uh, phones, if their friend brings over a phone, they're complaining that they invited <laughs> their friend over and then their friend spent the whole time, you know, watching YouTube or something like that. And so I, oh so we kind of came up with a plan together. Okay. How about we say, you know, when you come to our house, can you leave the phones in the public areas? And if you need to use it to call your mom, my kids are younger than yours. So I, I do realize that that's a factor in like that as they get older, these things will change, but the phone can be in the public area that way. If you want to go up and play in their rooms, hopefully he'll play with each other. Anyways, it's a, it's an interesting, constantly evolving situation, right? Because we didn't even have these kinds of phones when we were their age, but I love your thoughts on being gracious to the other people and not, you know, even the people who aren't in the being gracious to the people in the room, but also to the people who couldn't make it and thinking of them and not wanting them to feel excluded or sad. I think that that's a really great way to think about that. And then even to talk to your kids about being conscientious about what their presence or their photos or whatever on social media mean, like they could just be posting something for fun and kind of considering the repercussions for somebody else is it's a great thing to think about. I think we could all benefit from thinking about that. And you know what, Michelle, too, I feel like when you were saying that about competing for attention, that's absolutely true. That is what you feel like you're doing when someone you're speaking with is on their phone, right? When they're not paying attention. And so it's a comp, it is a competing. And, and I think also reminding them to be conscientious when they're in other people's homes to not do that, to put it away. Otherwise you can just stay home and text them. Right. You don't need to be together Mm -hmm. to do that. So yeah, I agree. Okay. I love that. Those are some good thoughts. All right. To wrap up our conversation. Jill, can you tell us some of the things that you think are the best ways parents can be a consistent source of hope and encouragement throughout the teenage years, even as our kids naturally spend more and more time away from the family? You've been talking about how you let your children flourish in their own interests and their own personalities. How do you recommend parents just stay as a, yes, a consistent source of hope and and encouragement and that solid family foundation that we want our kids coming back to, even as they're starting to spread their wings and fly a little bit. So in thinking about that, there were three things that came to my mind Mm -hmm. currently that what, what I'm finding as my three oldest are requiring different attention for me. And the first is to be present. The second Mm -hmm. is to be flexible. And the third is to be accessible. So to be present, to be emotionally available for them. And there's a quote from years ago that is learn to listen and then listen to learn. So mm-hmm. I need to learn to listen to them. And then when I listen to them, learn what they're we're talking about, hear what they're saying. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest gift that I can give to my older children is for me to hear them mm-hmm. and to validate them in their feelings, not necessarily by my words, but just by being all in mm-hmm. when we are communicating, which means no phone, yeah. uh, no earbuds. Yeah. And yeah. what I found myself doing just recently, well, it's been, it's been a, a several months 
I notice my kids are constantly walking around with their earbuds in. So mm-hmm. all three of the older ones. And what I found myself doing is popping mine in too. Yeah. I put mine in and I will unload the dishes and listen to a book or yeah. a podcast or put on a show or music as I'm doing these mundane tasks because it's just mindless entertainment. And what I found as I was doing that, it made me recognize that I'm really missing some of these cues from them, Mm. whether it be a glance or a sigh or just, just not, not really fully being present. It just, it takes you out of that. It kind of eliminates that from your current situation. And so I've taken my earbuds out, even though I may not be listening to something. When you approach somebody and they've got an earbud in, you automatically think their attention is diverted. Yeah. And they're not completely focusing on you. And so I think that is huge because everybody wants to feel important. And when you are dividing your time, that's not the impression that is given. So that's the first is to be really present. The second is to be flexible and to let them know that through my actions that I'm willing to shift my perspective, I think a little bit and understand their point of view more where, and I think sometimes they think parents in general are just more rigid, not willing to see their point of view. And so I think to be flexible and is a huge thing for me to learn right now. And the last would be to be accessible. So I have to laugh at the amount of things that came up today while I was trying to gather my thoughts for our little conversation tonight. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, I just, I had to laugh the arguments over jeans, you know, a wrestling match that went awry, a sliver that needed to be removed, three check-in calls, a request to have friends over. Yeah. And then, you know, conversations about, Elle decided to, you know, divulge all of her rude conversations that customers had, you know, <laughs> she'd been part of. And then worries, you know, yeah. worries about mm-hmm. bugs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you yeah. name it. And it pretty much happened in this time slot that I had given myself to kind of <laughs> gather my thoughts. And then I realized as I was listening, just even to Elle tonight, as I was re- listening to her that those are big things for them. All of those things are big things to them. Yeah. And Mm. although this was a big thing for me, because I'd made a commitment to have this conversation with both of you, I Mm. realized that that's what this whole conversation's about (laughs) is making the time to be accessible to them and Mm -hmm. not to make them ever feel like they're a burden to me because they're not. Mm. And that they are in, they are my top priority and I want them mm-hmm. to know that I will be there for them at, you know, at any point, whether that's me, you know, giving them a manicure and having talks at night or, you know, just driving them to and from places, just knowing that they can access me and I'm all in yeah, mm-hmm. is a huge, huge thing. So Man, I needed that, Jill. That's what I would so good say. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think it's kind of funny because in the past few years, I've noticed that we're in that like transition time from like them being kids and things are 
structured a certain way. For instance, bedtimes, like bedtime is like, it's been like a hard stop. And then they're in bed in my, in my way of thinking it, they're in bed and then I'm doing whatever else. And now it's like, oh, the little ones are in bed and the bigger ones might want to come down. And like, that might be the time that all their secrets and all their questions and qualms and everything like that comes out. And that's, that's when they're ready to talk. And like, it's been difficult for me because I'm like, I've trained myself that that's what I'm done parenting (laughs) for the day and realizing, okay, no, we're headed into the new phase of life where I need to be emotionally available at this time and accessible. I love that word of just being accessible. I love your thoughts on not having, you know, not having distractions, just available so that when they do want to talk and they do want to share the things that are big in their life, that I'm available to listen. And that I know for me is going to take a little bit of like practice and getting better at it because I've, there are certain ways in which I can think that I have made myself inaccessible, whether it's, yeah, like turning on a podcast all the time or just having that hard stop at bedtime. (laughs) I'm done parenting. And so I love your thoughts about being accessible to them. And also what you said about being flexible, showing that you are willing to maybe change your perspective about something and hear them out. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm going to have to be thinking about that for a while. But I think that that one's a really good one for encouraging that encouraging our kids to like come back and talk to us and want to talk to us instead of feeling like they're automatically going to get shut down and their idea is going to be turned down because um, I will automatically think it's bad. That's a good point. That's something I can work on. (laughs) Okay. I, I know I, I don't have my oldest is just barely eight, but there's these principles. I mean, I'm so excited to hear these thoughts, Jill, because I feel like these principles still very much apply to me now. So I appreciate your perspective so much. It makes me miss living closer to you, both of you, and <laughs> gleaning from you regularly. But any closing thoughts that you have at this point as we're kind of done with our our outline here? Any any last words? I was just going over what I had, what we had discussed and just looking at it quickly here. I think the friendship thing is huge. Mhm the friendship thing is such a huge thing for them right at this stage of life and their Mm -hmm. friends mean so much to them and to be wanted and included means so much. And I was just looking at here and, and realizing we do actually have that flip book at our house that we keep up Mm. the flip book that the Michelle was referring to the modern manners. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's fantastic. Just because they go, they were bubble by and read it. It's just a good reminder. Yeah. And the one that I love, and I kept it for probably a month or two, which they noticed, was to be inclusive mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. always make space for everybody. And, yeah. you know, you will hear them speak or they'll be sad about friendships and they will talk about, you know, they're not included. And and we've had this discussion so many times mm-hmm. that you attract what you put into the world. And if you want friends who lift you, you've got to start lifting others. And if you want others to notice you, you start by noticing others. Mm. And it, it's been referred to, I think in one of the Barrington books I read, someone had said it's, we shouldn't be call it our circle of friends. We should call it our horseshoe of friends because we always leave space and room for others to come in. And I really did love that. I think of both of you 
and your time together was short, correct? Yeah. I mean, you, you were neighbors yeah. and met, but the one thing I love about you guys is that you have become friends for a lifetime. Yeah. You know, there's different friends for reasons and seasons and lifetimes. And when you find those friendships, they are, they're really one in a million. And I think mm -hmm. those are really good friendships to show your kids that you can have those kind of really meaningful, wonderful friendships and those that really offer upliftment and just support. It's the, you know, it's, it's very, very valuable. And I really admire that about both of you, actually. Mm -hmm. You can do that and foster that even though you live miles apart now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, Thank so. you. it's true. I've noticed that sometimes I think of what my daughters are experiencing maybe kind of for the first time in their friendships and i realize oh yeah okay we're like i'm i can model these things for them by how i interact with people how i handle disagreements or feelings of being left out or wanting to include other people all of those things like i can still model that in real time because those things are still happening <laughs> in real time i'm yeah. still a part mm -hmm. of relationships they don't end when you're out of high school and what a privilege it is to find friends that we can learn so much from and just that can become a part of our story and we can like come a part of theirs. You're right. They're one in a million and they're such a blessing to have. And I mean, I've talked about it on this podcast before, but like the sisterhood of motherhood, the sisterhood of womanhood is so important to me. I've always just loved having my girls around the people that I look to and can have those deep friendships with. And, um, and I want to model that for my kids too, that like friendship is such a great part of life and they can, it's something worth fostering and it's something worth working on. So I love those. I love those thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Those are wonderful. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to share some of my thoughts. Um, I think you ladies have already got this all mastered. And so I appreciate <laughs> listening to your podcast on a weekly basis. Oh, so you. it was a thank you, Jill. an honor to join you. And I feel blessed to have both of you in my lives. Oh, thank you so Likewise. much for sharing with us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for always yeah, being a, a wonderful example of intentional motherhood and just loving your kids fiercely and developing yourself at the same time and pursuing just friendships and good things for yourself and for your family and your kids. It's so inspirational to me. And I'm so glad you were willing to come talk with all of us because we can all learn from you. So absolutely. This, <laughs> this has been wonderful. Thank you so much, Jill. You're welcome. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. 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 Well, Michelle, I'm going to be listening to that conversation at least every month for the rest of my parenting journey. <laughs> that was that so great up for you. Yeah. Full of gold. I really appreciated the oh, everything, but a couple things that are bubbling to the surface after we ended that were just the words that she chose to represent each of her children, just to simplify their personalities, to be able to direct her discipline, her motivation. I think that that's a really, really smart way to um, approach that. I liked that. I also appreciated her advice to the younger, the moms of younger children. Mm -hmm. Man, 
It's an exhausting time, but don't forget to develop yourself. I do, I love that what yeah what you just said about her just giving herself one little word for each child or one kind of touchstone to direct her thoughts about it. I know that um, she is the one who recommended Carol Tuttle's book, The Child Whisperer, to me, and it's kind of a similar idea of just leaning into your child's energy and kind of how do they see the world and then kind of working with it. But I love that she boiled it down even to more specifically mm-hmm. to just one word mm-hmm. that she could kind of remind herself of. So I think I might think of some words for my children as well, just to make my vision a little bit more mm-hmm. clear. Mm-hmm. But um, speaking of clear visions, I love the way she talked about, you know, wanting to teach her kids to be gracious and constantly modeling that. Yeah inviting them to participate in various activities so that they learned and then also knowing it's just kind of a constant thing that's going to be talked about and modeled. And I loved her clarity of vision um, with friendships and her intentionality in what she's teaching her children about how to be good friends, how to handle Mm -hmm. relationships, the ups and downs. Yeah, she just has so much insight that comes from I mean, it's such a buzzword, but so much intentionality. Yeah, she's she she has, she has 100 books on her bookshelf. Like yeah. she's done her yeah. research and really been thoughtful about it. And yeah. the another thought that I had about the second point you made about trying to be gracious and modeling that is that that's who Jill is. Yeah, and it makes totally. me kind of consider like, well, who am I? And I am, I feel like my parents my children's parent for a reason and to really embrace those good qualities that I possess and to pass those on because Mm -hmm. maybe that's kind of the purpose here, you know, like different personalities. You can go all sorts of ways with that, but I I love that thought that that's, that's who Jill is and she's passing that on. Those really, really great qualities that she possesses. So, yeah. Yeah. I also loved her thoughts on, with her teenagers being present, being flexible, and being mm-hmm. accessible. Again, those mm-hmm. are like simple touchstones that I think um, – lo- and as she was saying that, I have heard other parents of teens that I admire say similar things really about being accessible mm-hmm. to their children. And especially – and I was thinking, you know, it doesn't mean that she's at home all the time just waiting for them to come home and say something to her but when she when they are home together taking her earbuds out so that she is available for them should they want to say something and that that's a big encouragement to me to make sure that I am making sure there are times in my day when I am undistracted or maybe I'm doing something cooking dinner for instance in my kitchen but I am that's can kind of be a time that I you're approachable. I'm, I'm approachable and I'm accessible. And do I have an approachable manner or do I snap yeah. at them, yeah. you know, if they come Oof. near me or if they try to say something or do I, you know, one of the things we've been working on, do I, I mean, even with my children, helping them see that when their little brother is trying to get something, he's trying to say something and he's having a hard time getting it out, <laughs> that they don't jump all over him and interrupt him and constantly change the subject, but that they give him the space, right? They are mm-hmm. accessible and flexible and they give him the space to say what he needs mm-hmm. to say. And I can do a similar thing as a parent. Like, yeah, I don't have to te- take every opportunity to turn everything into a lecture. I can just be accessible to hear them out and to be present with them. 
And I love yeah. I love those ideas and also modeling the behavior that we want from them as far as, you know, screen time usage or being present with the family. Um, I just think that that's, yep, we can't, <laughs> we can't expect them to be doing things that we're not modeling for them yeah. ourselves. So yeah, I love her absolutely. points there. You know, it's so funny what she was saying reminded me of this quote that I remember reading. I'm going to butcher it because I don't remember it specific, exactly, but it's from Little Women mm-hmm. Classic. And there was a part in the book where the mom notices like a shadow crossed her child's face and she was able, she noticed it in a way only mm-hmm. a mother could. And I remember reading that and thinking, would I notice that or am I too distracted? Am I too doing my own thing? And so since then, it's been a reminder to me that at least some of the time I need to be distraction free and accessible and ready to be present with my kids and paying attention to their little size and their their little, you know, when they're flustered or when they're just a little bit out of sorts, I can I can notice that. But the only way I can notice that is if I am paying attention to begin with. Yes. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of look at it as you say that as a gift that my role as mother gives me is to be the one who recognizes some of those little cues and mm-hmm. um what a privilege and yeah. you're right like it's not like we need to be standing there staring at them yeah. looking for a sign but i personally could do a little bit more to be have that on my mind to look mm-hmm. for those things like hear the sigh like she said um instead of just like i just get so task oriented sometimes and yeah. i want to make sure that that's not taking precedence People over productivity has been on my fridge for a little bit because <laughs> it's just, I have to remind myself, but this is another great reminder to do that. So, well, one thing I think is interesting, just being like, I feel like Jill's a little bit ahead of me. I'm a little bit ahead of you mm-hmm. that I feel like I'm in a time of a transition. I did mm-hmm. say this a little bit earlier, but from that, like very like physical task oriented time of childhood when Mm -hmm. it is a lot of, you know, bedtime routines and brushing your teeth and getting dinner made and all of these things that it's just very like task heavy. And we are transitioning to like this need to be a little bit more flexible. And my emotional presence is becoming Mm -hmm. more important than, you know, me physically caring for them in the way that they did when or the way that I did when they were little. But some of the things that are interesting is that I do feel that I have created habits from when they were young. For instance, you you know, your children, when they're little, they just babble on and on. And I've noticed that, I mean, I, re- I noticed this a few years ago and have gotten much better at it. But I realized like, oh, I've gotten good at kind of tuning out the babble because it's all <laughs> child nonsense. And, yes, yes, and like, I'm like, oh, I got to tune back in. I got to be like, oh, these are words that mean things. And these are emotions mm-hmm. uh-huh. you're trying to communicate with me. And I had to like practice turning that back on because I had kind of been like, la-di-da, you know, just doing my own yeah. thing. So yeah. it's kind of funny to see that like your role really does change. And 
yeah, the the kinds of needs your child your children have from you change, and so the kinds of things you give them change. And anyways, I just love Jill's perspective on it so much, and so hopeful, and mm-hmm. both her perspective on it, and also. You know, I see her kids and they make me hopeful for the future and for yeah. teenagers. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be great. Yeah, I appreciate that all as well. So, yeah, wonderful conversation. And next yeah. week we will be back with our Q&A episode. That's right. We'll talk to you then. Bye. Okay, bye.